Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the playing of the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. And here's your host, Jana, and her big brother, Jeff. Thanks for stopping in for another edition of the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Happy to have you here. Got a uh, packed show today. Going to kind of take an overview of the uh, the Little League World Series. It's just kicking off. Um, and then uh, who's there? Not much more than that. Uh, what's happening with the Dodgers? What's happening with the Angels? And take a re- look around the baseball because it looks like we may have to add another wing onto one of the wheels there. Um a whole nother wheel, perhaps, uh, with the way things are going here late in the season. Uh, don't forget, you can find us on uh, social media, on uh, Twitter or X or Zitter. I don't know what it is. You can find us at Sibling Rivalry BB without the A. And on Facebook and Instagram at Sibling Rivalry BB with the A. And, and it on is- our website. Oh yeah, I sorry I cut you off. I just am excited. It's our twentieth episode of, of the, the season. Season, yes, it yeah. It is twentieth episode, and uh, now you've thrown me off. I don't even know what to do with that now. Yeah, twenty <laughs> total episodes for the season. Overall, our hundred and nineteenth. And uh, find us on our website, siblingrivalrybb.com. Check out the fanatics link. And uh, get some uh, gear from your favorite team or golfer or whatever else. Yeah, it's all whatever there. you want. Because you're helping us out. So we say get what you want. And the more, the better. Yeah, the more, the better. That's the key right there. So why don't we go to Pennsylvania? All right, one of, uh, it's, it's something that every little leaguer hopes for but very few ever uh you know see and that's a trip to williamsport pennsylvania uh, for the little league world series uh there are a lot of teams in fact there are a couple teams i saw and off the top of my head i don't remember who they were but that were there last year as well different players i was watching some different uh different uh watching the games and they're like oh he was part of last year's team you know, so it's like, cool. So why don't we take a look and see who is in Williamsport? Uh, you know, we'll talk more about it next week as far as like how everything's worked out and and what uh, who's moving on and stuff. But why don't we uh, why don't we just take them in order as they are off of uh, littleleague.org and the meet the team section uh, for the United States bracket. Why don't we start in the Great Lakes region? Yeah, representing the Great Lakes region, the New Albany, Ohio Little League. I guess this team didn't look like they were going to make it, but they powered through because they had lost their third game in the tournament, in the Great Lakes region tournament. And uh, they went, they met Illinois, beat them, and are in Williamsport. In the metro region, Smithfield, Rhode Island. And this uh, this is a theme, maybe, because they also fell in their, like, they lost their first game, but then they came back uh, to win. 
And uh, not only they won 10 to 7 against New York. Yeah, it looks like uh, a couple of their players, Connor Curtis, pitched very well and some timely hitting by uh, Brighton Castellone. So those are guys we're going to have to watch to see. And they end up beating New York uh, a second time to uh, find their way to a metro region win. Uh, who's coming out of the mid Atlantic region? Media Pennsylvania. Oh, and they got uh, they got the blue and the red uniforms. Yeah, those are pretty sharp. They got like the uh, I don't know pattern on the sleeves. I like that with the yep. solid. Those are pretty sharp. Uh, yeah, this is Pennsylvania's thirty six. So a team from Pennsylvania, there's thirty six little league um, World Series berth, and they swept. Yeah, they didn't have to to lose one to come back and win. They took no. it all. Boom. Uh, a team that I got to see play, and I didn't really think they were going to make it uh, make it all the way through here because they got kind of shook up by South Dakota. And uh, out of the Midwest region, it's Fargo. Or Fargo, eh? Yeah, and this is North Dakota's first ever appearance. Wow. That is... It's cool, so I think maybe I'll be rooting for Fargo. <laughs> yeah, they've uh, they had a pretty decent team. Uh, they're representing, like I said, the Midwest region. They had to fight through uh, after losing to South Dakota to uh, to make their way in. Uh, we go to the Mountain Region, which uh, did watch a, a couple of games out of the Mountain Region. They were played in uh, San Bernardino. They had two different regions going there: the West and that. I got to play on that field when I was in Little League. But not during, not during playoffs or anything. They just, uh, we were real close to there. And our Mitchell Little League, uh, they set it up for us to go. We played two different games there. At I uh, think I went to the uh, concession stand at there. Yeah, you you probably did. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Henderson, Nevada uh, comes out of the mountain. Uh, region and they also swept their region and move on they uh they took it to the defending champion utah which was one of those teams where they had people from last year's teams that went to a port yeah new england region is gray new gloucester little league from maine and uh they uh defeated massachusetts for the second time in the tournament to make it to williamsport and if we head to the other side of the country, the Northwest region. The Northwest region, won by Northeast, Seattle. <laughs> they also uh, swept through uh, their time. And uh, and appropriately enough, they're wearing like the emerald green. Yeah, and- their, their uh, uniforms remind me kind of of the all-star uniforms. A little bit of that. Definitely. They're actually some better. Mar- definitely better. <laughs> some Mariners feel to that. A little bit of that blue and green. And uh, the green is not quite a seafoam, which would be closer to what they do. But it's uh, but they're definitely representing their area. Now, this this one I mentioned last week, this team out of the southeast region, uh, Nolensville, Tennessee. And I told you it was Stella and the fellas, as they said. 
And uh, if you look at the picture on the website, Stella's on the uh, in the first row, sitting right in the middle. Yeah. And the team runner. And then the kid right behind her. I can't remember his name, but uh, he's like their number one pitcher. And uh, he. Uh, and Stella is going uh, becomes the 22nd female to play in the Little League Baseball World Series. Cool. Yeah. All so, right. Uh, the Southwest region brings you a team from another T state. Texas. Yes, Texas. Needville or it would be Needville in Texas. It wouldn't be Needville, would it? I don't know. It depends on what part of Texas. I know if you're Tennessee, it's Nolansville. Right. Exactly. But and if you're from Tennessee, you'd say, Oh, look, they're playing Needville. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. But if you're in Texas, Needville. Yeah, probably Needville. Yeah. Gotta have the draw. This is uh a 28th appearance by a team from the state of Texas, which we know they've got good baseball there. Yeah, they do. And uh, another place that seems to put out some good baseball teams is Southern California and out of the West region, El Segundo Little League will be uh, representing the West in the uh, the light blue. They got the UCLA colors. They do. Yeah, t- Totally. Those anyway, they uh, they be, beat uh, sponsored by yeah, UCLA. Right? <laughs> they beat Hawaii and North Car- Northern Car- uh, Northern California, not Carolina, California twice in order to make their way, and it is a fifty third World Series appearance by a team from California. Yeah, the Golden State that is impressive. So that just shows you what uh, I what was did we had a. Uh, statistic a while back, but um, the majority, I don't know now, but I would say the majority of players born in the United States, the majority of them come from California. Uh, All right. Let's take a look at the international teams, Uh, a team that uh, actually a region that always has a team that competes uh, heavily uh, is uh, the Asia Pacific region and out of Chinese Taipei, it's the Kui Shan Little League. The Chinese Taipei, a team from Chinese Taipei, uh, first qualified for the uh, Little League World Series back in 1969. They won the World Series in... Uh, so they've won the World Series 17 in 19 appearances. There we go. I couldn't <laughs> read that right, apparently. <laughs> yeah, their most wor- recent one was in 1996, so I, yes. maybe they're due. It seemed like every time for a while there... That 17 of 19, uh, it seemed like every year, uh, Chinese Taipei is going to win, whatever. You know, it just became the thing. You know, there's certain teams, you know, uh, that you expect to win, and they were definitely the ones that you expected to win. Uh, From the Australia region, right? Yeah, (laughs) the Hills, Hills Little League from Sydney, Australia. And uh, it's Sydney, New South Wales, and they're representing the Australia region. And this is the third time that that Little League, Hills Little League, makes the trek to Pennsylvania. And they're wearing, with the exception of the white pants, their jerseys look like the Mariners City Connects almost. Yeah. With the way that blue and the black. Um, All right. Now we head up north, A, to Canada. Yes. Sask- Saskatchewan. 
Saskatchewan, North Regina, a little league. Right. Not Regina, Regina. That's right. And uh, so uh, they're uh, representing uh, the great country of Canada. Uh, Kinley Jansen must be excited. Yeah. uh, Curacao is uh, Curacao. Curacao (laughs) is uh, in Williamsport. And they are the returning international champions from 2022. And they were unbeaten in their region tournament. And then uh, they're in the same body of water uh bayamo from cuba yeah they uh took the cuba region so they uh they're making history this team is making history because they are the first little league program from cuba to participate in the little league world series Um, they qualified to become the 29th international country to earn a spot and they will qualify again next year because they'll have an automatic um, entry uh, for Europe and the Africa region, a uh, team from the Czech Republic, South Czech Republic Little League, and they kind of got uh, Diamondbacks uh, vibe going here. Uh, they got purple, looks like purple, and the turquoise, pretty cool. Um, this is their first ever appearance in the. Little League World Series. I was thinking Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, that too. Yeah. I always think I saw the purple and I thought Diamondbacks, uh, especially their throwback. The throwbacks. Yeah. Not the current ones, but the throwbacks. Yeah. Um, This is the uh, first time since 2014 that a team from the Czech Republic is uh, being represented. And they outscored their opponents 49 to 11 and were undefeated. In oh, tournament wow. play. So they are going to be tough. And then another region that always seems to have a team because one of our favorite players and probably everybody's favorite player, Shohei Otani, who is from Japan, Tokyo, Japan, the Little League. And I don't even, I am not sure. Let's see. Musashi Fuchu. <laughs> That sounds pretty close. Musashi <laughs> Fuchu. Yeah. I, and they are, uh, right now, Japan in this is seeking their third ever World Series title. Uh, they've made uh, this particular league that's there, been there in 2000, 2003, and 2013. They won uh, the title in the last two trips in 2003 and 2013. Uh, Japan made its first appearance in the Little League Baseball World Series back in 1962 and uh, is only uh, behind Canada and Mexico as far as appearances. And then we'll swing way over across the oceans to Latin America. Right. Maracaibo, Venezuela, South America. They uh, are sending... Uh, their team there, the San Francisco Little League, and uh, they are sporting the Miami Dolphin cutter colors. Yeah, there totally. There is no baseball the team that has those colors. <laughs> no. Uh, this uh, San Francisco Little League, they earned their first trip to the World Series. This will be the 21st time a team from Venezuela will play in the Little League World Series with the country's latest appearance coming in 2019. Another one coming out of uh, 
kind of South North America, Central America would be the Mexico region and Municipal, uh, Municipal de Tijuana. Mexico Little League uh, will be on their way to Williamsport, just over the border from California. They uh, earned their spot uh, to come north. Uh, they scored nearly 50 runs in their uh, their tournament run. And uh, they made this particular uh, Little League made its uh, one and only trip to the Little League uh, World Series back in 2013, which is one more than many other Little Leagues have made. And uh, they came in third place uh, that year, uh, beating Connecticut 15 to 14. And uh, since we're talking about uniforms, their uniforms are the flag of uh, Mexico. <laughs> El Tree. El Tree. That's the flag is what they call the flag El Tree, which is the three colors. So uh, Rojo, Verde, and uh, what's the other? What's white? Blanco. Blanca. Blanca. Blanco. <laughs> yeah. Depending. I don't know. Is it feminine, masculine? That's the part that always gets me. Yep. <laughs> that's it. All right. And then finally, the last team to make it in uh, is uh, from Panama and the Panama region, the active 20-30, I don't know, 20 y 30 Little League from Santiago de Veraguas, was, Veraguas, uh, Panama. And, yeah, I was uh, looking at this, uh, the name, and but the, none of the kids look like they're between 20 and 30. So no. just, <laughs> just, just so you know. Yeah. Although there's been times in the past where there's been kids that you would think, are they, are they yeah. old enough? Or, I mean, they seem a little old. Yeah. yeah. All right. So those are the teams that you have to root for. Pick one. I always like to grab somebody from, from the international and that, and then see how it comes together uh, in the, in the final U S versus the international teams. Uh, I don't know, just reading about Czech Republic, uh, I'm kind of thinking they may be the team. But then again, Mexico was like scored almost 50 runs. So the two of those teams are putting up a lot of offense. Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, it'll be interesting to to watch. Uh, play started yesterday and will run through Sunday, August 27th. Lots of fun stuff going on. They make the atmosphere of the Little League World Series very much like going to the All-Star Game for MLB or the World Series, you know, playoffs where you have interactive, um, you know, things going on outside of the stadium. They even have a Little League uh, home run derby that will be happening and that will be happening on the 24th. And it's going to be the top eight baseball and softball sluggers from across the nation. So they'll get to come and uh, see how far they can, you know, how many home runs can they hit? And, you know, it's the, and it is sponsored by T-Mobile, just like the, the real deal. So that's cool for the kids. And ESPN is going to be covering, uh, they cover all of the World Series, Little League World Series um, games, and they will be covering this one. So if you're interested to see the little, uh, the home run derby, uh, it will be on Friday, August 25th on ESPN. So you can 
catch that. And then, of course, I think a favorite of everybody, especially for the little, little leaguers, is the uh, Little League Classic. Right. Yeah. You get the uh, the big league teams in there and they get to hang out, get to meet some of them, maybe their favorite players, but they get to meet big leaguers and uh, maybe even slide down the hill with them. Yeah, I would like to see how Trey Turner is going. He slides into bases. How does he slide down a hill? I think that would be fun to watch. So it's going to be the Nationals and the Phillies, and they will be playing on Sunday. And uh, Washington will be the home team for that event. And uh, the teams uh, get there earlier in the day. And like you were saying, they hang out with the little leaguers, um, you know, sign autographs, obviously go down that, that hill, the famous hill there in Williamsport. And so it's just, uh, just a lot of fun. And, uh, it's going to be at the historic Bowman field in Williamsport. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't have confirmation on this, but I think the Nationals are the home team because they are the closest to a Little League team. Oh, okay. That but, would make sense. In fact, I think maybe Mexico or the Czech Republic could probably beat them. <laughs> Wouldn't that be crazy if that was the real Little League Classic is an MLB team versus a Little League team? And then uh, who could win? Because those Little win? League, the Little Leaguers... What could they do on the base pads? They could right. slide through <laughs> legs right. around. Yeah. That'd be kind of fun. It could. That would be. I think so. I'm with you. Rob Manfred, you want to do something fun? That's it. Yeah. It's time for Dodger baseball. From Williamsport to Phoenix. We were just talking about the D-backs and uh, the Dodgers. Left after winning the series with the uh, the Padres uh, and headed to Arizona, a team that uh, fallen off and fallen far. They've dropped to 500. The Dodgers come in, and uh, while we're not real sure how they're going to play this uh, this short series, only two games, uh, they they got to play them. So they did. They did, and this was a blackout week for me. Uh, Dodgers uh, start in Arizona, like you said, for the two games. I had a friend there on the uh, first game, and uh, he said, I think all of L.A. is here. Yeah, it looked like it. I was watching that, and uh, when you looked, when you were watching on TV, if you weren't paying attention to where they were, you looked up, it was almost all blue behind the plate. Or, yeah, I watched, I was able to go back and watch, you know, highlights and things like that. And uh, if you weren't watching, you're just listening, It you would think, oh, they must be at home. Right. But they weren't. Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, it was a close game. Uh, the, uh, the Dodgers seemed to have it in control. And then uh, in the eighth and the ninth, uh, Arizona kind of made it interesting yeah they did uh julio arias is on the mound for this one and uh yeah the dodgers almost blew a four nothing lead and uh it was five to two uh, entering the ninth 
And the Diamondbacks tried to get a comeback, but it didn't work. And uh, but uh, they did come within four. So it was it was five to four was the final score. But um, yeah, just uh, it just they couldn't they couldn't do it, which was good because it looked like I was like, oh, okay, this game, you know, I'm just kind of keeping an eye on the score. And then I look again and I'm like, uh, what is happening? Oh, no, it's the curse of right. Phoenix again for the Dodgers. Uh, Julio actually looked pretty good there. Went six uh, full innings, only gave up four hits, no runs. It was actually Alex Vesia, uh, Bruce Gratterall, and Evan Phillips, who, while Evan got the save, um, Vesia put two on Bruce Star, let them come home. And uh, then Evan Phillips decided they needed two extra, just make them feel better about themselves, apparently. And, and then uh, he shut it down. He was and like, okay, he, that's it. He was, that was it. That was done. Um, you know, with that, it goes without saying uh, who uh, was, uh, was probably leading the offensive charge here. And then uh, along with him, Mookie was, uh, was two for four. Uh, Kike had a double out of all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Well, and this was interesting too in this game. David Peralta, who is a former Diamondback, played there a long time. He had made an incredible catch, um, robbed a two run um, homer uh, off of uh, Car- Carson Kelly hit, and he was able to snag it. And I know there were a lot of Dodger fans there, but it seemed like even the Diamondback fans were <laughs> applauding the effort. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was a favorite there, from yeah. what I understand. So they uh, they get out of there with uh, with the win, and uh, they live to play Wednesday night. Knew somebody at that game too. Yes, yeah, B- Blanca was there. She was. She was out uh, in the right field area, and uh, they were uh, they were trying to get Jason Hayward's. Um, attention they kept yelling happy birthday to him because it was jason's birthday and honestly that game uh if you went because you wanted to see like a really exciting game if you're fine with pitching duels then you were at the right game bobby miller and merrill kelly uh, matching up Uh, both would go six innings in this game uh, but uh, bobby gave up uh, only four hits Merrill six hits, but neither one of them gave up a run. It wasn't until the uh, the bullpen uh, got in there, and uh, and it wasn't until like the eighth inning. Yeah, with two outs, which is Dodger fashion. It was Freddie Freeman who had a uh, double, his forty second double, um, MLB leading forty second double. By the way, uh, Will Smith uh, was walked intentionally. Max Muncy, of course, drew a walk because that's what he does. Loads the bases. And uh, who's the uh, hero coming back in grand fashion? Back to Arizona, David Peralta. Singles, which brings in uh, Will Smith and... uh, Freddie Freeman. And Freddie Freeman. Yeah, I don't know why brain stopped working there for a second. So brought in uh, Freddie and Will, and uh, that was all that the uh, the Dodgers would need. 
and they walk away with a two nothing win. Uh, and then they head home. Yeah, they head home for another blackout for me, but I want to go back to that Arizona game. Merrill Kelly is 0-10 in his career against the Dodgers. Not because of the way he uh, pitched in this particular game, it's just that the there was no offense for the Diamondbacks. This was a special weekend for the Dodgers and for Fernando Valenzuela, Los Angeles, uh, named August or... Uh, made August 11th, Fernando Valenzuela Day in Los Angeles. And the Dodgers retired his number 34. That number, he he's the only, he's the last Dodger to wear it. And the last time he wore it was 1990. That sounds about right. I'd have yeah. to go look, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, ex- Fernando Mania Weekend. With the Rockies in town and Dodgers do not disappoint. Got Kershaw on the mound. Um, He only goes five innings, but I think that's kind of how the Dodgers MO is. He just got off of the injured, you know, the IL and hopped off the wheel, goes and pitches five innings, gives up three hits, only one run, does give up a home run, has four strikeouts, but then Ryan Yarbrough, who comes in and has been really good, especially that's kind of how the Dodgers have been using him is as the middle kind of a middle long reliever because he doesn't, he pitched three innings. And so he's not in there usually for just an inning. Um, It's usually two or more. And even though they were keeping Kirsch, you know, just uh, kind of monitor him and 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 keep it in five innings. He only threw 67 pitches. If his name was Tony Gonsolin, he would have already been to almost 100 right. in five innings. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So quick and down and dirty does a great job. Um, they get uh, get the win. Uh, to start off this uh, four-game set. And then, of course, that was Thursday night. Friday night, you already talked about what happened. That's uh, Fernando Valenzuela Day forever in uh, L.A. And uh, they retired the number, uh, had a nice, I mean, uh, Sandy Koufax was there on the days with them. And uh, Mike Sosha got up and did a quick, uh, you know, a speech about playing with uh, him as they both kind of came up together uh, there. And um, and they had a couple other folks that spoke. But, uh, you know, it was a real nice uh, thing. And, you know, Fernando uh, really didn't know what to do with himself because he just doesn't really he doesn't like that kind of attention. But uh, it was nice uh, to see that he and his whole family and to see the 34, because normally those numbers that are retired up there, all of them are Hall of Famers. Yeah, so this was uh, something that Dodgers decided to, uh, for this occasion, they decided we'll overrule that rule, and we're going to, we are going to retire number 34. And, of course, uh, Fernando is part of the Dodgers organization. He is a broadcaster on the Spanish broadcast for the Dodgers. Um, And he obviously, I mean, he's not going to be in the hall of fame because towards the end of his career, um, he, you know, just didn't do great. I mean, 
we have a story about Fernando. I don't know if you remember, we saw him pitch against the Rangers and they was playing for Baltimore and he was on the mound mm-hmm. and uh, the next morning didn't have a great outing Rangers win. Um, we, the next morning we go to breakfast and uh, planet head has a breakfast burrito. Now, now <laughs> he is accustomed living in New Mexico. He's accustomed to hot and, you know, but then he wasn't and it was warm. <laughs> and so he started sweating and, uh, our dad said, you know, started chuckling and said, mm-hmm. Maybe after last night's outing, Fernando's in the kitchen making the, <laughs> making the burrito for you right. and put in the, the hot stuff. Yeah. So. Had to get him. He had, to, he had to have that to get him ready to be a crew member. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, uh, so, and once again, the Dodgers uh, didn't really fool around uh, with it. They, uh, they, they didn't score a lot until the sixth inning they got a couple of runs uh the rockies got their one run in the fourth and uh and then the um the dodgers went ahead and scored four in the seventh to uh to grab a six to one win uh lance lynn once again great uh, overall great down only goes five innings but gives up uh, four hits does give up the one run uh, no home runs, though, this time, but struck out nine. And it was a jumbo jack night, 16 total strikeouts uh, amongst all the pitchers. And they got to uh, go up for at least a third of the inning uh, versus uh, old friend Justin Brule, who uh, who gave up and allowed four runs. So I guess he was like, oh, I miss you guys. Here, here's a little gift. Right. I missed you so much. Well, like I said, I mean, I only, this is blackout time for me whenever. Now, Arizona, I was disappointed about because they're with MLB now um, is, has the broadcasting rights for those. I guess they always did, but they broadcast those games. However, you still have to buy because it was, it didn't start at the beginning of the season is what I'm told. And it was in the middle. You still have to buy like the special package on MLB TV, which I think is Ooh. not right. Rob Manfred, not right, but that's all right. Rockies and Dodgers play again. Tony Gonsolin's on the mound. And this time Tony Gonsolin, according to Dave Roberts, was like, he's got to do better or we don't know where he might be. So <laughs> a little bit of a warning shot over the bow, maybe, to Tony. Um, and the Dodgers end up winning 4-1. to one. Mookie Betts is out of the lineup. Um, he had been – now, I thought – I think the n- night before he'd been hit by a pitch, but um, it, this was just because he just was not – he was under the weather. He was not feeling well. So he was out of the lineup. Um, and this is what's interesting. If you go back and look, and this is not all the time, because in the next game, this doesn't hold true. But for the most part, you have the games in Arizona, Betts 2 for 4, Freddie 3 for 5, Mookie 0 for 4, 2 for 4 for Freddie, 1 for 3, 1 for 2, 
two for three, one for four. That's Mookie and Freddie. And then this time, David Peralta's leading off. He's one for four, but Freddie's 0 for three because he's missing his buddy. His bro. Must be. He <laughs> feeling, feeling low. He's feeling low, but like I said, the Dodgers pull out that win four to one. Uh, Will Smith had a home run. James Outman had a home run who has really turned it around. We were not sure. I mean, he was an early rookie of the year candidate. Maybe that is coming back. Maybe he's, uh, you know, might be, maybe, I don't know if that he'll win, but we'll be in the running if he keeps going the way he is. And uh, Ahmed Rosario um, also had a home run. And, uh, yeah, I mean, after Gonsolin, six innings, gave up three hits, uh, one run, did give up a home run, had six uh, Ks, but it was uh, Brazier, Gratterall, and Evan Phillips, who got a 17th save, who came in and just sh- shut the Card- uh, the, Car- the Cardinals, the Rockies down. Yes, I mean, because they were, they were playing so well that they were even sh- they were shutting out two teams. At the both times. That's at right. one time. Yes. And then game four. Last game, Dodgers already had wrapped up the series. They had won the series, but, you know, you got to win the last one to sweep it, and the Dodgers sweep the series 8-3. to three. Julio Urias is on the mound, and I think this is probably his best effort of the season. Yep, seven total innings pitched, gives up uh, three runs, strikes out a dozen. And uh, as uh, as they go on to uh, to grab the W there, eight to three. And who was back? Mookie. Mookie. Now, here's the thing. Freddie went over four. I know. (laughs) So now what? How do you theorize that? I don't know, because I was looking at the one, but then I didn't realize that he was over four. But. Um, in, in that sake, I don't know. Maybe he was so happy that Mookie was back. That or maybe he, just... he was mad at Mookie because Mookie <laughs> was out that day. I like that. Like... I think, he, yes, I think he was, he was upset pouty. and he was pouty. He was grumpy and he just couldn't get a hit that day. I think he that did get, he did get intentionally walked. So, yeah. So, but that was good because then that meant like Ahmed Rosario could, have a you know could kind of get in there and do he had a he had a double so that was kind of Freddie like Max Muncy scored two runs he walked on one had a hit and you know so we, he he was spreading the wealth other people were able to well yeah that. Miguel Rojas yeah now this one is interesting now he had a home run just a second home run as a Dodger four RBIs in the game. Now, we all know that Kike Hernandez likes wearing colorful cleats, and uh, I think Miggy does too, but maybe not to the same, um, not to the same, I don't know, not oomph as uh, Kike does. But I guess Miguel Rojas said to Kike, hey, if we're, if you're playing second and I'm playing short, we, our cleats, you know, we need to match. And they did. <laughs> and they did. And. Uh, Kike said, he rakes in my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, they had the uh, the neon green uh, cleats on, and uh, they did look like. And, you know, that's the one thing that's been coming up a lot, is that uh, these guys who have come uh, here uh, are, Lance Lynn has said it, um, you know, David Peralta mentioned it. 
but they're all saying uh, Kike has said it too that um, they realized when they came here. Ahmed Rosario has also said it that playing with the Dodgers, they feel like they're um, they're excited about baseball again. There's just something different about playing with the Dodgers, the overall feel of the um, organization, and that, and that's why we're seeing these guys do so much better. You know, Kike and Ahmed Rosario are both hitting over 300 since they became Dodgers. Lance Lynn, of course, he's playing for the White Sox, and, you know, they've just been a bad team this year, but he's really pitched pretty well. And this last, the last outing, not giving up a home run, that's different. He's gotten, he's given up fewer home runs each of his outings. Started out, he gave up three, then he gave up two. Now he's given up none. Yeah. That's not good to say that that's going to continue that way, but, He's definitely helped stabilize and with Kirschback stabilize the pitching staff and it doesn't feel as desperate before. I mean, now as it did before. Yeah. And we have uh, Julio whose last two outings were um, especially the last one was that was the Julio um, that you always expect on the mound. And even Tony Gonsolin, if that was his make it or break it appearance that he needed to to make in that game, um, in the third game against the Rockies, I think he did it there, um, you know, going the six innings, getting out of jams as he needed to. Um, and even I think Doc, uh, Doc said that he, you know, looked a lot better. So if you have more stable where it's not as, chaotic where with Julio you just didn't know was it going to be good was it going to be bad I don't know I don't know I don't know I don't know (laughs) uh with that uh did you see that there is uh uh, my big fat Greek uh uh movie number three yes now the sad part (laughs) is is that the actor who played Gus her dad has passed away so he won't be in this uh this next one but apparently they're going to Greece and I think they still use Windex for well, all of the elements. Windex, Windex. <laughs> I just put a little Windex on it. Everything's good. Everything's good. All right. So um, that uh, that wrapped it up. They had a great week. Um, came out of San Diego, barreling down. Then on the two series this week, they sweep. And, uh, you know, uh, I think that's an eight-game winning streak that they've been on. They uh, They now... Uh, have uh, have uh, a series with Milwaukee and then uh, the Marlins come to town. So it's uh, it's all about the M's, Milwaukee and Miami. Yeah. And the Brewers uh, will, and the Marlins. Brewers and the Marlins. And then, uh, and then actually don't know, but they might get a little bit of a break, which, of course, that's the thing that you worry about is because Cleveland comes to town. Cleveland's, you know, sub-500. You know, who knows? As long as nobody upsets Jose Ramirez, I think it will be fine. Somebody's getting punched then. <laughs> Otherwise. Yeah. All right. Who's your uh, player of the week? Player of the week, I always feel like, especially lately, it's either Mookie or Freddie. So this week, I went with Julio Urias. He had 13 in- innings pitched, had Eight uh, gave up eight hits, three runs, 
one walk, 17 strikeouts, maybe not a stellar, you know, it could have been more, but it's on the road to riding the ship for him. Um, hey, before I, I give you mine, J.D. Martinez, is he back uh, he, coming up this week? Yes, he is right. back. So you back into the regular flow of things. Of course, it seems like they were fine without him, but it, maybe they'll just be that much better with him. So that's very cool. I went ahead and uh, just randomly picked the guy I talked about a little bit ago, Ahmed Rosario, mm. because he's just been playing well. He yeah. just uh, he's been playing well uh defensively and everybody talked about what a bad shortstop he is but when he's played there he's made some great plays he's been hitting the ball he's been having fun uh that way you know it's not just the mookie or freddie show uh these guys this is a team where uh you never know aside from those two guys who might step up and uh and carry the team yeah definitely i think the line, you know, that the lineup, when you look at it, there's always going to be, you know, somewhere you've got. Um, so just looking at that game number three where uh, Tony Gonsolin, you had David Peralta, who was one for four, Will Smith, um, Kike Hernandez, Jay, uh, Jason Hayward, James Outman, and Ahmad Rosario, who all had hits, um, you know, some RBIs. And the guys that, so I guess sometimes the guys that you count on, that you think you can always count on, they don't always have the great nights or they get intentionally walked or whatever it may be. But you have the other guys as David Peralta has the freight train, the cha- the train just keeps moving no matter who's at, up at the plate. That's right. Just keeps on arriving. By this time last year, we had already gone from the Angels segment to the Silver Lining segment. The uh, you know the Angels season was pretty much done. I think the Angels season got cooked right around the time that they fired Joe Madden, and uh, you know not that they couldn't have turned it around, they could have, but it just it, it wasn't in the stars for them last year. And once again this year, they are dealing with a lot of injuries remember we said there was 17 people on the wheel 18 at one time on the wheel now some things are starting to change we're going to start seeing some people coming back mike trout is starting to hit um not off the high speed machine yet but we don't and and they're not they're not putting a time frame on it they want it to be he's still sore but he's swinging a bat he's trying to get there zach netto uh is getting ready to uh, fire up some baseball activities. The only one that's not doing anything that continues to have issues, Anthony Rendon. And it's interesting because uh, the other day I was listening to um, to MLB radio and uh, they were had Phil Nevin on. And I guess he talks to them every other Friday or something like that to loud out. And uh, they asked him, about him and you could hear him kind of uh not really want to say anything but then he goes well you know he's working on it but there's still some things he 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 wants to compete he wants to be out there and then um Perry Manassian also said something similar uh Perry didn't want to talk about the team while the team was there he wanted them to leave and go to Houston. Then he talked about them. And, of course, he didn't say anything like, yeah, we're still in it. Because if he says, no, we messed up and we shouldn't have done this, then the team's going to fall apart even more. 
True. He's not going to say that. Plus, then it's an indictment on him. Oh, yeah, totally. Because he's the one who makes the moves. So, um, but Mike Trout, they may very well be completely out of it by the time Trout gets back. I may have gotten that part right. Um, you know, after playing so well, they've played really poorly. Uh, they got uh, swept by Seattle. They've got the Giants coming to town. The Giants are uh, a team with a wild card spot last time I looked. And um, they just a better overall team. And after the first game of this series, it looks like uh, it looked like maybe the Angels were going to continue on uh, just getting thumped. Uh, eight to three was the uh, the Monday night game. It and honestly, the Giants didn't do much until the ninth inning. In the ninth inning, they were able to put six up on the board, and that was all thanks to, uh, oddly enough, Carlos Estevez. Two bad outings in a row, uh, and he, you know, gave up five runs. Um, Aaron Loop would give up one. He actually let an inherited runner score, and then gave up one on his own uh, for them to end up losing this. Patrick Sandoval had looked pretty good. Six and two-thirds, only gave up two runs, struck out eight. It was the bullpen that uh, that dropped the ball for him. Actually, the guy that you wouldn't have expected, Carlos Estevez, uh, to drop that. Uh, Logan Webb um, gave up seven hits over five and two-thirds and struck out six. The Angels just couldn't get anything really going. They had nine total hits. But uh, really, just other than a triple by uh, Grichik and a couple of doubles, one by Shohei and one by Renfro, they just there's just nothing there. And he just figured, okay, so it's going to be another one of those, another one of those series. And uh, he figured, well, okay, it's an early week series. Nobody's really watching. Hopefully, they don't. You know, maybe they'll win one. Who knows? They're under 500 now. They'd been at 500. Now they're under 500. And the next night, tough game, but the Angels uh, put up four to start. And unlike they've been doing, which is put up four or five in the first or second inning and then let the other team score at will uh, right. from there on. Yeah. Um, they did let the, the Giants score three in the third and two in the eighth, but they had scored three more on their own. And they take a seven to five victory uh, in game two. Lucas Giolito gets yeah. the win. Finally, he picks up his first win in an Angels uniform. Um, uh, and help uh, thanks to uh, Brandon Drury, who had three hits in the game. Awesome. Yep. Uh, they, uh, it was kind of a, um, I guess, a bullpen game for the Giants. Uh, they sent Scott Alexander. Remember him? Dodger I do. Pitcher. Yep. Uh, he faced three batters in the first inning and uh, three hits and three runs. Uh, and uh, so that was and that was the end of it. That was it. He got no outs, so officially didn't pitch a single inning uh, in that game. Uh, Alex Wood, former Angel. Did uh, did pitch. He gave up a few runs to uh, help the uh, Angels out, and uh, it was uh, Dominic Leone who ends up with a save, his first while with the Angels. But Lucas Giolito grabbing uh, his first win 
with the Angels, goes six innings, only gave up three hits, and strikes out seven. So it was nice to see him do that. Like I said, he did get some help with uh, from Brandon Jury, three for five in that game. Um, you know, a few hits. Uh, Luis Renhifo, two doubles. Shohei was uh, was one for four with a stolen base and was walked intentionally. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they were able to do that, and they take that game. So, hey, they broke their losing streak. Yeah. And uh, they head into the final game of this series. So they're back at 500. Who knows? What's going to happen? The Giants draw first blood, score one in the second, and hold that lead until the bottom of the sixth when the Angels would score all the runs that they need. They scored four of them and um, were able to hold that, you know, stop the Giants from doing anything. Uh, you can thank, uh, you know, Brandon Jury once again uh, with a single that scored Renhifo. And then uh, Mike Moustakis, uh, he, uh, he ended up uh, driving in uh, three. That was one of those was himself with a three-run home run. Shohei and Brandon Drury score uh, those others, and they're able to, uh, like I said, hold on to that and uh, get ready for their road trip. Yeah, and uh, always have to have a Shohei moment, I guess, stat. We should start that. A Shohei stat of the week. And uh, in this one, he surpassed Babe Ruth in another two-way uh player way he became the first player in major league history to have multiple seasons with both 10 victories and 10 home runs yep picked that up went six in this game uh only gave up three hits and one run the weird thing is is that when he finished with this he said he wasn't really feeling that well yeah he said he was tired and he was struggling and And, uh that's struggling (laughs) What do we do on a daily basis? Right. And, and, and other pitchers that aren't aren't doing what he's doing that aren't even pitching as well. So, and, and as a result of that, um, Shohei's uh, next start pushback, he asked for, to miss the next start so that, uh, cause he's just feeling a little fatigued. He said, and, and, uh, you know, Phil Nevin said that, uh, uh, Shohei told him I only need to miss one. I'll be fine after that, but uh, that's uh, that's what it's good that he told him. Yeah, I mean he's he's, he, he's played every game this season, right? At which he said after the game too that he might consider taking a day off. He consider. Yeah, I, I would say he should take at least one day off or a couple days off. Um, you know, but maybe there's no reason to if you're. Um, if you're not going to play for anything, I would say, oh, you're on your way to making it to the playoffs. Rest up a little bit. But right now, it doesn't look like they're going to find their way to the playoffs. And it certainly didn't look like it when they got to Houston. No, especially those first two games. Identical scores. Yeah, back-to-back 11-3 to losses. They just, they just looked anemic. They couldn't really get anything going. Um, you know, sure, seven hits, but uh, the three runs uh, just it didn't stand out like, hey, we're really in this and we're working hard uh, to get there. Uh, C.J. Crone does hit uh, a home run his first as an angel or as a returning angel. Uh, but since he's been here, he got that overall, uh, 
they were up against um, Justin Verlander, who went six, gave up all three runs, struck out seven, and gave up that one home run. It was really a bad outing for Reed Detmers, who only goes two and a third, gives up seven runs on seven hits, two of those being home runs, strikes out nobody, walks three. He just looked terrible. Yeah, and uh, Rosenberg, what's his first name? Kinney. Kenny Rosenberg. All right. Yeah, he wasn't much better. He pitched five innings, gives up seven hits, four runs, and five walks, um, no strikeouts. Doesn't give up a home run, but still. In this game, too, just uh, as an aside, Justin Verlander, he became the 50th player in Major League history to start 500 games. This was his 500th game pitching against the Angels. Um, yeah, it just, they just, didn't didn't have it. So and while nothing was happening for the Angels, it was a big night for a guy named John Singleton. You ever heard of John Singleton? Uh, John Singleton. Yeah, that name sounds familiar, but he was. He played, but then he when went was to his the- last home run. Do you remember? Mm. If you don't know the exact date, that's fine. But maybe if you can get to like a year. Oh, probably, I don't know. Um, mm, I'm going to say 20, uh, 2014. Uh, you Almost. 2015 was the last ah, time that he had hit a home run. So close. Uh, out and away from baseball, or at least the major leagues, comes back. And uh, on this night that he's coming back to play for the, uh, for the Asterix, two home runs. And uh, really helped drive five RBIs on the night, uh, three for four. Overall, had a great game. And, uh, yeah, he ate Reed Detmer's lunch and then everybody else he faced that day. The um, He had the two home runs. Uh, you know, the, the upper part of the um, uh, L2V was two for three. But overall, Bregman, Alvarez, uh, even Kyle Tucker, they were all offers. It was a lower part of the um, – the um, order, Yanier, uh, Diaz, uh, Mauricio Dubon, uh, of course, Singleton, Jeremy Pena, and even Martin Maldonado, who hardly hits anything, batting 181 on the season, went three for five. Wow. So <laughs> uh, good game for them. Like I said, the very next night uh, ends up being the exact same score, the Saturday night game. And, uh, this time it was uh, kind of an oops, what what just happened here, home run, a surprise home run from Andrew Velasquez that uh, squid squid hit. And it really was, if you see the swing, the swing, it really was unexpected that it carried all the way out of the park. Uh, they really, once again, couldn't get anything going. They did muster up the three runs, uh, double from Hunter and Shohei, J.P. France basically had their number and, uh, you know, pitched well. Tyler Anderson, once again, not great. Four and two thirds, uh, gives up seven runs on six hits. JP France, seven innings, gives up four hits and two runs. It was just below average. And Kyle Tucker was over the night before, but in this game, he hits a home run. And I think this is funny because you can't even compare the two. He shouldn't be in this conversation, but his buddy, 
Jose Altuve thinks he should. He said, this is a quote from Altuve. I know Shohei is having a crazy season, MVP type of season, not MVP type, MVP season. Um, But Tucker, he said MVP type, but Tucker is having a great, great year and he should be in there with the MVP conversation. No. No, he shouldn't be. <laughs> he should not. He and maybe be the, it's he, because he doesn't have, you know, his view is limited. Right. <laughs> he can't see very much, barely over the bag. I'm sorry, and, I didn't see that. There was a grain of dirt obstructing my view. Yeah, I just saw that quote I mean, and Kyle I was Tuck like, really? A good year. I mean, he's he's played solid. He was an all-star. Yeah. Uh, he's not at MVP status. And you know what, though? If I'm Kyle Tucker, I, I have to appreciate that my teammates got my back and thinks that I'm playing that well. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, I got to I got to appreciate that. But yeah, no, he's he's definitely doesn't need to. But I did hear his name come up somewhere when somebody goes, well, maybe to a lesser extent. But I don't I don't think so. Yeah. Nope. Uh-uh. Anyway, uh, we go to the uh, the final game of the series, uh, the wrap up, and uh, the Angels. Well, not a whole lot of uh, offense in this game either. They did send Chase Silseth to the mound, who overall has been pitching much better over his last few outings. This time, he does go five innings, no runs given up, just four hits, struck out five. Uh, Jose Urquidy on the mound for uh, for the Asterix, and uh, he goes five as well. He gives three hits, but he gives up one run. And uh, the Angels, and that one run that he did give up was, do you know? No. Yeah. Oh, was it uh, a number 41 home run? It no, wasn't? unfortunately, it was not. Darn. <laughs> I thought it was. <laughs> nope. That one was the uh, was his the first relief pitcher. Uh, Parker Mushinsky mm. uh, gave up number 41 to uh, to Shohei. No, it was um, Mickey Moniak. Uh, drove that was my in next guess. <laughs> Eduardo Escobar, who had doubled earlier in the inning. Yes. And, uh, and that was uh, the first one. And then thanks to the home run, because it was one to one. Mm-hmm. They uh, walk away with a two to one win and avoid the sweep, uh, which is uh, which is good. They do win that one and uh, they maintain or I think that's uh, what one game under or does that put them back at 500? That put them under one game under 500 uh, after what they had lost. So, well, I think it's good. You know, they're uh, going back. Um, well, they're going to face another division rival. So ending that series on a high, you know, on, a, I'm going to say high note, but on a more positive note, they leave on with not a, a win. loss <laughs> on not a loss. You know, they, they did, they did win. So, you know, but, uh, they do have to face, they're going up to the grill in Arlington um, to uh, see the Rangers and uh, we'll see how that goes. And then uh, you've got Tampa Bay 
coming to the Big A for a weekend series, and then Joey Votto in the Reds mm-hmm. will be there, and the and the rookie brigade yeah. has been there. Now they have cooled off recently, but it just here here they go. the The only thing that looks good for the Angels in their future right now is that they have the Mets coming up. But even that, the Mets have all-stars on their team that can play. Lindor and Alonzo alone, you know, can really change uh, the complexion. So it's not a given that they're that they're going to beat them. But out of all the, the – when we look at their schedule, their schedule's pretty tough with the teams that are going. And it makes it look like um, – as I was looking over schedules for a lot of the teams – they have a bunch going on with teams that are good teams that are playoff teams right now. And it, it makes when they lost to teams, they should have beat earlier in the season. And when they weren't chasing wins every night, that um, those come back to get you now, you know, look at Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay fell off a lot after the all-star break, but because they played so well at the beginning and they won those games and they're still winning enough now they don't have to worry about falling off so much. Yeah, they're not playing catch up so much right. as yeah, you just keep getting further and further behind. So those games in Houston, I mean, it's everybody knows for the Angels, those were must win games. They came out of there with one. Um, and the same with the Rangers, you know, what's that series gonna look like? And uh then when they get home, what's it going to be? They've got Tampa Bay. Then they have to go to Tampa Bay still this season. Yeah, that's true. They have, I mean, when you look at what they have coming up, they have Philly. Philly's in a playoff hunt. Um, you know, they got the A's coming up, but they've had issues with the A's. They got to deal with the Orioles as well. Oh, um, yeah. The that's Indians, tough. I mean, sorry, the Guardians, who they've they've had issues with in the past, and the Guardians play a lot better than their um than their uh, record indicates a lot of times. Uh, and then they got to deal with the Mariners again, and who knows where they'll be in the mix at that point. They got Minnesota, who is uh, leading their division. Got a better record than them. Like I said, Tampa again. And they still have to play Texas one more time. Luckily for them, Houston's done. They don't have to play the asterisks again this season. Uh Unfortunately, that means they're not in a position to gain ground on them if that's who they need for the wild card. Right now, Toronto's the team, and Seattle's still a couple of games out. And even when Toronto seems to lose, they come back and they win in in chunks, and they maintain their position. So, all right, anybody for the player of the week for the Halos? Mm, no, I always try to find somebody and this week I just, I don't know. I just, I just couldn't find someone. Maybe you found someone, but I didn't. And I have to say when I was thinking about the angels, remember, I think maybe it was our first, maybe our second season. Um, there's a song by, Oh, it's a moving pictures. I think that's the band moving yeah, pictures, the band is moving pictures. And I always think of the angels fans, you know, what about me? It isn't fair. I've had enough. I want my share. Can't you see? I want to live, but you just take more than you give. I want to win. 
That's right. And the Angels fans want to win. But they're so defeated, Angel fans. Like, I think I saw a tweet. I think uh, that you, I think you sent it to me. Uh, they talked about it was Cody Bellinger. Oh, the Angels could sign Cody Bellinger. And then somebody came back with a comment and said, yeah, so he can go back to his, you know, 2021, 2022 season form, you know. Right. It's like you're so defeated. It's such a defeated fan base. It's true. Yeah. And that's what you would expect to happen. He's not going to play like he did. We're going to get him and he's going to go back to the reasons why the Dodgers well, did. And I, I, I mean, I get it because I even thought Tyler Anderson had a really good year, you know, really a comeback year with the Dodgers last season. And so I thought, oh, that's just a good, a good signing for the Angels. And it hasn't been. No, um, and I wonder, is it Tyler Anderson, or is it the pitching coach, the pitching coach, and their and his staff? Yeah, and Phil Nevin, for that matter. A lot of people want to do this, and I'll, I'll give this uh, Sam Blum, who um, uh, writes, uh, you know, is on the Angels beat, said that there's a lot wrong with the Angels, but uh, Phil Nevin's not to blame kind of thing as far as that goes. And I think part of it is, is nobody within the angels uh, organizations really talking except for Phil Nevin. Phil Nevin's had this put on his shoulders and I will agree that there are things that happen with the team that are not Phil Nevin's fault. We know how this works, that the front offices across baseball send down, here's what your lineup should look like. Here's the players that are available to play today. Don't pitch this guy. Don't pitch this guy. Um, So we know that there's a lot of that in there. My problem is, is that when we were comparing like the Dodgers and the Angels, the Dodgers, why are they winning? Because they're playing fundamentally sound baseball. They're, they're hitting the ball, you know, they're playing, they're clutch hitting, they're situationally hitting, and they're playing good defense. The Angels are not. Um, C.J. Crone, uh, in a game, um, trying to remember which game it was, but he comes up, fields a ball, I think it was during San Francisco, and instead of turning and throwing and knowing where he was going to go as soon as he got it, he just didn't know where to go. Finally, he was able to get an out at first, but he could have went to third and got a force out. He just wasn't paying attention. He threw two balls away. Um, you know, that would have been double play balls. Yeah. Threw them out into left field, you know, and, and he's not the only one. They're just not, and it's not even a matter of that. They're making a lot of errors where they're missing a ball or misplaying it. They're just, they're making mental errors. They don't know where to throw the ball. They don't, they throw it to the wrong place or they're just lackadaisical about it and it doesn't help them. And thus, you know, these other teams are able to pick up and, you know, if the other teams making mistakes, let them don't do anything that's going to stop them. If they're already in having issues, let them continue to make the mistakes. And that's what teams are doing with the angels. The angels, um, a lot of times, um, yeah, they're, they're facing some good pitchers and that, but a lot of times you're just beating themselves. They're swinging at bad pitches, um, that were, uh, they bounced twice before they got to the plate. They're still swinging at them, you know, it's stuff like that. Maybe it's not that extreme, but you know, yeah. 
Well, and then one of the things I was reading an article about the about the Angels um, and Phil Nevin. I think it was after one of the games in Houston. He said, "Yeah, you know, you go in the clubhouse. It's quiet. The guys have their heads down. You know, it's just you know. I know they can play. Well, yeah, they can play, but can they play well? And how are you helping in that uh, endeavor? Um, right. There's uh, there's a guy named Dan Clark who is a writer. He writes uh, baseball um, articles and things. And he tweeted this, uh, reposted now. You don't tweet it, you repost it. Um, he said, uh, people who should be fired. Brian Cashman, the uh, New York the Yankees GM. Buck Walter, Bob Melvin. Uh Ricky, uh, Rick Hahn, who's the general manager of the White Sox, Perry Manassian, and uh, he doesn't mention Phil Nevin, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, so I, I, I wonder some... about that because I think Phil Nevin has been, um, he's got a, a reputation as a, as a good guy. Yeah, I that's why I would say maybe there's some sympathy, you know, like, hey, this is what you were handed. Now we know how things are run in the clubhouse. He doesn't have control over that with, you know, Perry but, and his guys have or his goons. Can we call him Perry and his goons? Perry and his goons. <laughs> and, and, have, and and Artie for that matter. Right. That have lockers in the clubhouse. You know, that's a no no. Um, right. But they're doing those things, and so yeah, there's I mean, obviously he's playing things around. Going. He's playing along. Uh, Nevin is. Yeah. But that's why I'm not blaming him for the construction of this team. What happens on the field, aside from who he's directed to put out there, that's directly on him and his mm-hmm. staff. Right. When you listen to, and once again, because I see so much Dodgers, they're talking about. Um, you know, these, the, the utility players and even Mookie when, when um, former angel coach uh, Dino Ebel is having infield practice, these guys are out there and they're fully engaged and they're playing and they're not making mistakes or they're rarely making mistakes. You know, sometimes a throwing error is going to happen. You get amped up or you're, you, you make a play. I know Kike the other day, uh, made a play. He threw it. He shouldn't have. Yeah. But it in the end, it didn't come back to bite you. But Kiki realized, and at that point, they've got a different vibe. That's not happening with the Angels. And I almost feel like sometimes there is when you see Shohei. Sometimes it almost feels like he's realized the ship is going to sink, and he doesn't feel like he's playing as part of the team. He's part of it, but he's also playing for himself to, you know, to finish out the season and finish strong. Yeah. And after his last outing, he came off the mound and you could see he was frustrated. I think he's frustrated with himself. He felt like he didn't pitch well um, in that outing. But I wonder, I know there's frustration for him when, you know, he feels like he didn't live up to what he thinks he can do, but I wonder how much of that frustration was just an overall, I need to get this, you know, emotion out, which we normally don't see 
you just don't see. I mean, he hits home runs and very rarely, you know, he trots around the base, you know, and he comes in and does, but you don't see how some guys, when they go around the bases, you know, pumping their fist or whatever they're doing, you don't, you just don't see that emotion and you're seeing a little bit more from Shohei, but I would say if you ask him about it, he would say, oh no, it's on me. It's how I perform. Right. Shohei's like uh, Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle said, I tend to run the bases with my head down because the pitcher feels bad enough already that he gave Mm -hmm. it up. I don't want to add to it. Right. Yeah. You don't need to do the, the stutter step. With all this said, the Angels are not out of it yet. No. They still have an opportunity. Can they do something? Yes. Will they do something? Right now, it doesn't seem like it. But they're they're only, as of the weekend, you know, they're eight games out of the wild card. But a good 10-game stretch could put them right back in. The Yankees are having problems. Um, the Red Sox have been pretty consistent staying about where they're at. Seattle, who knows? But the Angels have a chance. We get um, we get Zeto, we get Trout back, and they both come back and play to the top of their form, especially Trout. Things can change around because it changes the dynamic and the and the 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 whole feel when you look at the the lineup with Trout in there and Otani. And with um, with these guys, especially Brandon Drury, hitting the way he's been hitting, um, it really can. And and Mickey, Mickey Moniak, uh, he's been hitting pretty well. It really can change the whole feel of it, and it makes player, it makes um, teams rethink how they're going to play you. Yeah, definitely. When you're going through a lineup and you've got those, you know, Trout and Otani, or Otani and Trout, however it's going to be in the lineup, um, yeah, you think differently. Yeah, I, I would like to see. I'd like to see Trout come back like he did last season, where he was just on fire. And you know, will that intensity, if he brings it, that should funnel out to the other players? Because you know, it's there. They can right. do it. But will they? And will uh, will Perry and Artie let them? Right. Or will they be all singing? What about me? Hey, um, I, I don't think I told you about this, but I'm going to take the, um, the bumping cart on my trip on Friday. So Mm, I'm, uh, so tomorrow I'm going to Oakland to watch the A's and the Orioles play. Now, when you, decided to take the bullpen cart did you fill out the forms that are in triplicate and send me the pink copy i thought you got the golden rod no no i always get the pink golden rod that goes in the file okay and what what about the main one what do i I take that with me so people know that i officially got that okay i'll get those done before i leave uh yeah so Uh, Let's hop in the bullpen cart, take a ride around baseball. And as always, we uh, we start with a player of 
the week. Yeah, we've got uh, three players of the week in the American League. It is just Jose Altuve. He is the third Astro to win the award in the last five weeks, but he was how 13... many of those were Kyle Tucker? Zero. Oh, and he's having an MVP season. That's right. But uh, Jose Altuve, he was 13 for 25 with a home run, six RBIs, three doubles, five walks, and a stolen base in six games over the past week. He had a 520 batting average and a 1.373 OPS and helping Houston to a 4-2 record in the National League. Co-winners this week. None other than Mike, Mr. Michael Lorenzen. He had a historic week. He tossed a no-hitter against the uh, Washington Nationals. He faced 31 batters, striking out five, and uh, had the complete game shutout in his new role with the, well, in his role with his new team, because it's not a new role for him, but right. <laughs> he's <laughs> said that with his new team the Phillies and the cool thing is is his he he wears uh his cleats are vans mm-hmm. and those vans are going to be in Cooperstown which the only way for him to get to Cooperstown is to buy a ticket and go or get his cleats in there so cuz he's not going to be he's not a hall of fame pitcher but that doesn't mean he can't have hall of fame moments every I, player can have a hall of fame moment even if they're not a hall of famer yeah, very cool for Michael Lorenzen. And then we head down to Hotlanta with Matt Olson. So you got the no-hitter on the mound, Matt Olson at the plate. I mean, he leads the National League in home runs, RBIs in seven games. He went 12 for 30, four home runs, 10 RBIs, a double, nine walks, 400 batting average, and a 1.372 OPS. Now, I want to go back to something regarding Matt Olson. Yes. Um, Because of what Ronald Acuna Jr. has been doing, and, of course, we've talked about Freddie, um, Mookie, but at the beginning of the season, who was my way-too-early pick for MVP? I'm pretty sure it was Matt Olson. It was. I had Matt Chapman in the American League. <laughs> That's right. And, and Matt, Matt Olson. Yes. Um, and obviously, I was just uh, saying Matt Chapman as a placeholder for Shohei. Um, right. But even even I couldn't even imagine that Shohei would be this much better this year. But Matt Olson is, is in the end, he's going to end up getting MVP votes, but he's not going to get enough. But he has been playing like an MVP. Yeah, you can tell. Um, I think last season, I mean, he had a good season last, you know, last year in Atlanta. But this year, very much like uh, Freddie, when you look at the numbers, their numbers last year, they have approved, improved upon them. Um, And I think it's because now they both feel comfortable where they're at, because I think they both had, it was uncomfortable. I think for Matt Olsen... Freddie didn't like the way thing went down and Matt Olson's like, well, you guys still just rather, you'd rather have Freddie. Yeah. Cause he had to fill that spot. And so now he's showing like, Hey, uh, you don't need to miss Freddie. 
And it's okay because we love him in, in L.A. And it's tough, too, because Freddie was an MVP there in Atlanta. Um, so he's really had big shoes to fill, and he's been doing it. Um, yep. I mean, Atlanta, I, Atlanta without him may not be the best record in baseball. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Ronald Acuna Jr. is doing great, but... And, uh, you know, speaking of Atlanta, they've got some issues uh, that they're dealing with injury wise. I, I heard about and I'm sure you'll get to that. Um, so those are the uh, the uh, National League players of the week. Yep. All right. I want to tell you a story. I thought this was really cool. About um, a man named Jed. About a man named Mookie. Man named Mookie. And a man named Giuseppe. So he was on the on deck circle. In uh, one of mo- one of the recent games it was an afternoon game at Dodger Stadium, and a lot of times where the on deck circle is, there are fans, you know, people sitting there. And this guy started talking to him and said, "Hey, Mookie, if you hit a home run, I'm going to name my daughter after you." <laughs> and Mookie bets like, "Don't do that, you know. Come on, that's crazy. Your wife's." You know, your wife's not going to let you do that. And that, no, you know, no way. So he, the, he thinks that his wife, that he, the guy was talking to his wife on the phone uh, during this time. So, you know, they laugh and he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. So Mookie Betts gets up there, hits a home run, comes back around, gets to the home plate, comes over. The guy's going crazy. Um, and you know, fist comes, Mookie comes over, fist bumps him and he just goes on, you know, doesn't think anything more about it. Then, you know, like maybe a week, two weeks later, you know, something like week and a half, he sees on, on X that, uh, a tweet by this guy. And sure enough, there is his daughter's name, had a little girl. Francesca Mookie Mancuso. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, you know, he, he told him, uh, you know, in the video, you know, to the guy, he said, you know, that's my girl. I, you know, with Mookie as her middle name. (laughs) Yeah. Why not? I mean, uh, you know, props to the, you know, to to his wife you got to give it to her because you know she's like okay i get francesca you get mookie well that same that seems fair right yeah. why not and the guy and he like he said i didn't think anything about it but the um but francesca's dad who i think his name is giuseppe he said uh a bet's a bet and so i uh he had a home run, and I named my daughter Mookie. There you go. Got to got to stay up on that. All right, so let's take a quick look at uh, at the uh, standings. We were talking. Let's mostly, you know, there's not a lot of reason to go too much on the regular standings. We know the Dodgers are only four up on San Francisco as of the weekend, and they still have another series with the Giants. But overall, it feels like the Dodgers are going to walk away with everything uh, in the uh, in the West. Um, Cincinnati's only a game and a half back behind Milwaukee. And who knows what happens when they come in to play the Dodgers. That very well could uh, 
cause them issues if the Reds can win and the Dodgers can beat Milwaukee. The Braves, 10 games up on Philadelphia. Uh, it doesn't seem like that, unless they fully collapse, that that's going to change. Um, the Rangers and the Asterisks could battle it out. Three games separate them. Uh, Seattle's only six and a half game back, but Texas and Houston have really not played poorly for any long stretch all season long. Minnesota is building their lead. Um, they're six games over as of the weekend, whereas Cleveland's five games under 500 and five and a half games out. But that one, who knows? All of a sudden, the Detroit could go crazy and find themselves in the playoffs. And then uh, really don't know what to make out of the East. Baltimore has been playing really well. Uh, and as of the weekend, they've got a three-game lead over Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is coming to Anaheim during the week. Uh, you know, And part of the problem with what's going on with Tampa Bay now is, is we don't know what this recent issue that they're facing, if that's going to cause issues for the team or if the team can get past it. He's one of their superstars, young guy, uh, Wander Franco. While this has not been verified fully yet, apparently the other day uh, there had been some posting from someone in the Dominican Republic. The information that has come out so far is secondhand, so they're not sure. But instead of going to management and saying, look, this has been posted on social media this could be an issue. Wander Franco in the clubhouse on his Instagram filmed a response to a post. Basically denying everything, which is fine. That's that's fine. If nothing happened, great. Deny it. With a teammate, Jose Siri, who's been having a fairly decent year uh, in the background, and he's in he's yelling in Spanish that it's a setup and somebody's trying to get money from uh wander who signed a great contract, you know, as a rookie was extended. Uh, Tampa Bay didn't mess around with that. Not everybody's really stating what the issue was. You have to kind of read around and get the, to get the idea, but it did prompt a major league baseball investigation and it led to um, Wander being put on the restricted list, not administratively, but on the restricted list. He has agreed that he's not going to go on this most recent road trip. So he won't potentially play until about the 22nd of August when the Rays get back to Tampa. The thing is, is that he apparently or allegedly had a relationship with a 14-year-old girl in the Dominican Republic. And while he says it didn't happen, MLB still has to investigate. Yeah, MLB is investigating, but now also the Dominican Republic authorities are investigating. And in fact, it has come out that there has been a complaint um, that is what brought to the authorities in the Dominican Republic, which has now brought this um investigation. So not just the MLB, but now you have that country investigating. So it's a little more than what, you know, because at first it was like, is this real? That doesn't seem, it doesn't seem real. Right. Could it be uh, a money thing? Somebody just wanting some, uh, you know, uh, 
just something to, you know, they want to extort money from him. Um, I did read earlier in the week that um, there are potentially more than one underaged and uh, that he, once again, he completely denies it. He didn't, um, he agreed to not go on the road trip to be a distraction or any of that. And that uh, let them go. Now, if he gets put on administrative leave, that changes things. And at this point, if this turns out to be true, this may be one of the shortest uh, careers we've ever seen. And if that's true, then that probably means that his uh, contract can be can be voided because that doesn't fit into all the different clauses and things that uh, that play in that that are probably part of every major league contract. And I know promotions are done way ahead of time. Um, it just happened that the promotion at Sunday's game <laughs> was a Wander Franco hat for a youth 14 and under. So, uh, yeah, not a <laughs> just not great. Oh, not great gotta, at all. Gotta love those things when they work out like that. Yeah, because this the social media post it was you know in the during they found it came out like during the game, and so he was you know benched and then of course like you said he was in the clubhouse which I thought was a very poor choice of uh, venue. Well, yeah, it's even doing it without talking to somebody. Even he should have at least called his um his agent even. Yeah. What should I be doing? Alert the, um, you know, the manager, alert the general manager, let them know what's going on. So, and that, but you do that. And then the Rays said, we didn't know anything about this until they, um, until we heard about this social media post. And that's when they found out about it until then nothing had been said. Yeah. I, (laughs) yeah. Just, uh, it just is funny that there was that promotion going on just at the same time same time um now let's book in that before we get to the will with a really interesting story about ozzy albies who has who loves fish has four aquarium you know tanks not just these you know fish tanks he's like big deal um and he when he's on the road he has cameras on his fish so he can watch them and I think he calls to talk to them when he's on the road, apparently. And he has some, he has like a couple of fish or at least one that when he comes through the door, that fish goes right up to the glass to greet him. So he's like the fish whisperer. <laughs> Never knew that about Ozzy Albies, but now we do. Yep. Speaking of Ozzy Albies, he is getting to spend some more time with his fish as he rides the wheel of Sorry, that's the only, I don't know how to make a fish noise. Yeah, that sounds pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll start with Ozzy Albies. Yeah, why not? Um, he's on the 10-day IL. He has a sprained left hamstring. And I guess it's something that's kind of been bothering him and it looks like it might be a little bit more serious. So we will keep an eye on him, but he will be on the wheel um, with his fish, be able to bring his fish on the wheel. 
Um, mentioned that Tampa Bay race pitcher Shane McClanahan last week was on the wheel. This time he has moved, still on the wheel, but has moved to the SRBB Tommy John wing of the wheel. And he had Tommy John surgery and he's going to be out for the rest of the season and probably next season also. Yeah, I would expect to see him in like 25. Yeah. Nestor Cortez came off the IL, off the wheel. Saw what a mess the Yankees were and said, oh, jumped no, I'm back still on. <laughs> yeah, jumped back on. He has a second rotator cuff strain. So I'm thinking surgery is probably in his future. Uh, Marcus Stroman was another one. He was supposed to come off the IL after hip injury sidelined him. Might have taken a little bit of a tumble when he jumped off the wheel because he has a right rib cage fracture and uh, is back on the IL. Phil Madden, uh, the pitcher for Houston Astros, is on the 15-day IL with an elbow injury. Tests do show that MRIs, things like that, there's no structural damage. Jose Abreu is on the 10-day IL with back soreness. Uh, Joe Kelly is on the 15-day IL with forearm inflammation. When he was with the White Sox, he had elbow inflammation, was out from like July 5th to the 22nd. Hopefully this is not going to be as long. Um, but I think the Dodgers were kind of warned that uh, you get him, he'll probably be on the IL. But that's something that he he did that, you know, he had those injuries with the Dodgers before. So we'll see. Right, And he did give them, you know, uh, a handful of outings. Yeah. That, so, uh, you know, were, you know, where he pitched well. So, yeah, now there's. Yeah. Uh, Yancy Almonte is on the 15 day IL with a knee injury. Uh, Jesse Winkers on the 10 day IL with back spasms. Um, he hasn't quite come back. I think uh, the maybe we'll start doing a rehab here pretty soon. But still on the IL. Captain Caveman, Brandon Marsh, is on the 10-day IL with a knee contusion. And uh, last but not least, I think this had just a lot to do with the uh, City Connects, and he just couldn't take it anymore. Uh, G-Man Choi is on the 10-day IL with a ribcage strain. Yeah, I don't blame him. So, yeah. I couldn't handle that either. That's it for the Wheel of IL. Um, Still a lot of people spinning, a lot of players spinning around, and uh, a lot of players getting off just to hop right back on. Yeah, that's crazy. So remember earlier I mentioned that uh, sometimes you, you know, you just, you got to win those games, especially early season games where you're like, eh, it's still early. It's not a big deal. Well, Mm -hmm. let's, let's look at this. The Brewers face the Dodgers, then the Rangers, then the Twins. The Cubs, who are surging, it works out for them. They're playing the White Sox, the Royals, and the Tigers. If the Brewers had made it a point to beat all those people early on, and I'm not saying they didn't without looking at their full schedule, but built a lead that was a little more insurmountable instead of being surmountable, right? Uh, they wouldn't be having this. I mean, obviously, the Cubs have just been on fire. But um, that's that's where it comes in, where you got to play, um, you got to play every game. You're going to lose some. You're not going to go 162 and 0, but you you've got to make sure 
that you win enough of the series as you go to um, to make sure that when you get to this part of the year, you're not you're not um, constantly battling uh, to maintain your spot. I mean, the goal should always be. I always think I sound you know it's like it's just the obvious thing, but um, the goal is always to be to win every series. Um, or if you have the opportunity where you have a four game series to split the series, to do those things. And I think sometimes that's the one thing with the Dodgers. I always feel like, um, I get nervous when they play teams like the A's or the Royal, you know, those, even the Rockies who, you know, this time around the Dodgers swept, but the Rockies have beaten the Dodgers in those situations where the Dodgers just, for whatever reason, you know, I don't want to say that they don't take things, you know, that not every team, that every team should take their opponent seriously, but you wonder sometimes like, ah, we're playing the A's. Yeah. Right. You know, so you we're... don't take them, like you said, as seriously as you should. Yeah. Um, Cause they could have, them. you overlook them and then they could have, you know, the pitcher could have a great game or you could have somebody, um, you know, that just has a great game at the plate and then where are you? You know, you're on the losing end um, because that's baseball. That's just how baseball, baseball works. Mm-hmm. I mean, I perfect example. I just want to say that the uh, Mets fan should be thanking SRBB for my uh, post of, you know, we know what the, when they were playing Sunday night baseball, we knew what the, I thought we knew what the, uh, outcome was going to be, but guess what? The Mets won. So you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> that will put a wrap on this week's sibling rivalry baseball podcast. We're going to roll the tarp out on the field. Hey, like I said, um, Friday night, if you happen to be one of the people who listened to the website, I mean, the website, the podcast, um, like right away uh, and you happen to be in the Oakland area might be at the game on Friday night, the A's versus the Orioles. I'll be there. Um, I, I'm off to the side on the first base side, uh, more behind home plate because tickets are easy to get for Oakland A's games. And uh, at least at the beginning, I will be wearing, um, well, the whole time I'll be wearing my sibling rivalry baseball t-shirt but um, it does get chilly up there compared to where I am in Southern California. So I might have to throw a sweatshirt on or something like that. Just know that you will be seeing me wearing an A's hat because for that night, I am an A's fan. Yes. So look for the tall guy in shorts. Yes. With an SRBB shirt on, A's hat, and then later... A USC sweatshirt. Maybe. Maybe oh, okay. a USC sweatshirt. But I, <laughs> what I may do is get like a long sleeve shirt or uh, or something at the game so that I can maintain my A's fandom for that game. All right. And for That's, that, yeah. I think yeah. That, that'll be fun. And uh, I look forward to hearing all about it right. on we'll the talk- next episode. 
we'll talk about that then next week and we'll post some pictures i'll send you pictures from there and you can get them up uh, oh, social media director. And where would they be able to find those if they happen to be looking at Facebook or Instagram? At Sibling Rivalry BB with the A. And if they're looking at X, it would be Sibling Rivalry BB without the A. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you're on X and you see a post from us, just, you know, hit that little just heart. Like. Yeah, just like That's it. That's all. Like. Instagram. It's not a big deal. Facebook, wherever you are, just like it, and we will like you back. All right. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a telemarketer, tell a serial killer. We don't care. Whoever's listening, perhaps serial killers might like baseball. They got a I lot of time to, you know, you know to listen, especially and after while they're, they're caught. stalking or they're hiding out, planning things out or whatever, they could be listening to the, uh, to the podcast. Anyway... Do all of that. Enjoy your week. We'll be back next week. We'll talk more about uh, Little League World Series, of course, the Dodgers, the Angels. And we'll have a a little side statement about my side adventure to uh, the Coliseum of Oakland to watch the A's and uh, the first place Orioles. So until next week, don't forget to swing away.